Welcome to the On Target Living Podcast, a place where health and human performance meet. We're not doing any exercise today. We're just going to talk about food and then we're going to eat food, okay? Because I find that it's the most fun. Now, when it comes to food, we know that it's one of the biggest things we have in common. There's so much more to eating than to lose weight or be healthy. We know that food connects us. It brings us together. It's social. Food is love. I come from a huge Lebanese family. I was telling you about my mom. I learned everything about cooking from my mom because she knew that in order to connect her giant family together and, you know, bring everyone together for occasions that she had to learn how to put delicious food on the table. So we know that food really is the center of everything. But unfortunately, when it comes to food, we're, we're not all talking food the same. We're all believing these different diets or different programs. And while food is our universal language and we all eat, we just aren't speaking the same language when it comes to food. I'm from the future. I'm here to warn you, don't eat that food. Why not? The eggs, they're full of cholesterol. What? Cholesterol. It it clogs up your arteries. Eating even just one egg can dramatically increase your chance of heart attack. Don't eat eggs. Oh my God, thank you. You're welcome. We were wrong about the eggs. Yeah. <laughs> but it turns out there's two types of cholesterol. There's good cholesterol and bad cholesterol and eggs actually have both. So you can eat eggs, but just don't eat the egg yolks. So <laughs> stick with the egg whites. Thank yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, so it turns out that the amount of cholesterol in a food doesn't actually affect how much cholesterol ends up in your blood. The eggs are probably fine. In fact, we sort of don't even know what cholesterol is. <laughs> but the steak! You can't eat the steak! Why not? Turns out that red meat increases your chance of heart attack. You have to cut out red meat. So no steak! We were wrong about the steak! It's the toast. Man was not meant to eat bread. What do you mean man was not meant to eat bread? Well, if you think about it, human beings should really only be eating what our Paleolithic ancestors ate. So, therefore, no bread, no toast. How do you know what our Paleolithic ancestors ate? Well, we, we just have to guess, right? I mean, we don't have any way of knowing what... Went back to the Paleolithic. They are not doing well. I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> if anything, we should all be eating a lot more bread. <laughs> Jeez. So I guess just um, ignore everything I've said and exercise. Turns out it's genetic. Doesn't matter whether you exercise or what you eat. I'm sorry I ruined your meal. Do you want some eggs? I'd love some. <laughs> How many of you feel like that when it comes to food, right? It's, it's constantly changing. There's always a new diet. And when you think about it, have you ever wondered why there's so many diets on the market? Why are there so many diets on the market? <laughs> yeah, but more importantly, it's because diets don't work. Come on in. Oh, several people are right behind me. Oh, great. Yeah, so we know when it comes to dieting, 100 million people today are currently on a diet. That's one in three people. Now, we know that diets don't work because we spend over $70 billion on the weight loss industry, yet we have a 90% failure rate which we, means we may lose weight, but we're not actually keeping it off. So we know that we have to think about dieting in a different way because long-term, we know that diets aren't gonna be sustainable and they're not gonna be enjoyable. So when it comes to finding a program that actually works, we know that 
these two extremes of living too healthy or too unhealthy will never work. We need to find more balance when it comes to food. And in order for a program to work, we know that it has to follow two rules. It has to be sustainable and it, we have to enjoy the whole entire process. So what happens if we go on a no carb diet? What happens maybe three months down the road? We go off it, right? Because it's not sustainable because carbohydrates are our energy source. We know that when we're giving up our carbs, no one wants to be around us. We can't have a social life. We're cranky. We're moody, right? Because carbs are our energy source. Come on in. No, that's okay. Now, we also know that there's a lot of diets out there like the celery juice diet is a big diet in Chicago. Well, how enjoyable is drinking celery juice every day or juicing celery juice or even taking shots of apple cider vinegar? So while we hear about a lot of these things on the media and they're very trendy, we know that long-term they're not gonna be sustainable and we're not gonna enjoy that. I always tell people, instead of taking shots of apple cider vinegar, it's very calming and soothing on the gut, so it helps to reduce inflammation. Just cook with apple cider vinegar, make your own dressings with it, or better yet, eat an apple. You guys have heard about the whole source concept. Where does apple cider vinegar come from? So we need to start looking at food and thinking about food a little bit differently. Now we know that these extremes, and, and when it comes to living our life, we tend to live on two different extremes. Either we work out like maniacs or we don't work out at all, or we work too much or we don't work enough, right? When it comes to food, either we're constantly on a diet that's not sustainable or enjoyable, we take the fun out of eating, or we're constantly just living on the extreme side of unhealthy where we totally give up our health. So we know that we have to find more balance when it comes to food. Now, in my case, I know you guys have spent a lot of time with my dad, but I like to say that I was raised on this extreme side of healthy. And that's because I grew up with this guy who was a personal trainer. He was a bodybuilder. He brought home lots of superfoods. I grew up on things like wheatgrass and cod liver oil and oatmeal with flax seeds and, you know, all the normal stuff that most kids grew up with. Goat's milk, hemp seed bread. Um, just to give you a better idea of how we celebrate birthdays in my family. Actually, this is only for my dad's birthday. He requests a spirulina corella algae pie every year. Yep. So that's the pie. Actually, it's in the cookbook because I've learned how to make it act, taste good. But this was my lifestyle growing up. So family vacations, they always included some form of activity because that was our idea of fun. So while I was living on this extreme side of healthy, I didn't really know any different. It was my lifestyle. I thought it was normal. I always felt good as a kid. I was always into sports and really active. But as I started getting older and going over to friends' houses more, I realized that this lifestyle I grew up with was so not normal. And at my age, all I wanted to do was fit in. I wanted to be like all my friends. I started to feel like I was giving up the fun stuff. I wasn't having chips and cookies and fast food and all these things that my friends were having. So I decided to take matters into my own hands and become a total rebel. So I was a teenager with attitude. I decided to do everything opposite of what my dad practiced and preached. And one of the first things I did was I got a job at Johnny Rockets Burger Restaurant. So in Eastwood Town Center, do you guys remember Johnny Rockets opened? I was there. I was there within the first week and I got a job. So I was basically eating milkshakes and burgers every single day. And I started going on family vacations with my friend's family. So I was having unlimited fast food and eating all these things that I really didn't grow up eating. Now, while I thought it was the life, 
I started to gain weight. I was diagnosed with asthma and I was put on an inhaler. And at the time I was a really competitive track athlete and I was struggling with my performance. I was a 400 runner. I could barely make it around the lap um, without my inhaler. And I knew that I needed to do something. I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't like the way I felt. Now, while my dad thought of food only as fuel, I can talk bad about my dad because he's not here. <laughs> my mom thinks of food as love. And, and I feel like I learned so much about healthy food from my dad, but I think I learned the most from my mom because as I mentioned, she grew up in this big Lebanese family where food was the center of everything. She learned how to cook delicious meals at a young age because that's what connected her family together. Um, so she was able to show me how to take all these foods my dad was bringing home and turn them into meals that actually tasted good that I loved and I didn't feel like I was giving anything up. Now we've spent, one of the ways that we bond and hang out is we spend a lot of time in the kitchen because we know that food is love and we know that food is connection. Um, for my high school graduation open house, we spent a full day rolling 2000 grape leaves. Now, by the time we sit down to eat those grape leaves, we're already satisfied, right? There's so many things that happen in the whole cooking process. So luckily I, I had kind of both of these, um, these ways, these philosophies when it came to food. And this really inspired my brother and I to put together a cookbook where we wanted to teach people, you don't have to live on the extreme side of anything high. You don't have to live too healthy or too unhealthy. Healthy and delicious can actually go together and you can find a, a plan that actually works for you where you don't feel like you're giving anything up. So as I started to resort back to my old childhood ways and the way that I wanted to, I lost weight. I, my, my asthma magically disappeared and I got off my inhaler. I started running the best times of my life and that's where I never looked back because we know that food is not only powerful for our health but also for our performance. So now as a dietitian, I like to teach more of a mindful eating approach when it comes to food. So you're not eating foods because you see someone following a certain diet on Instagram or you see something on TV. You're eating foods because you want to and because you like the way it makes you feel. So when you think about mindful eating, it's not a diet, there's no recipes, there's no rules. You're eating in the way that actually makes you feel good. Because what happens is we start to eat in a way that doesn't make us feel good. There's no coincidence that we have the highest rates of depression and a low carb diet is one of the most popular diets. We're not eating in a way that actually makes us feel good or that's sustainable. So when you think about mindful eating, it's just paying attention a little bit more to what you eat and why you eat and just kind of slowing down and being more aware. Now, when it comes to mindful eating, this is kind of the first tip I love to teach people. While the science of nutrition is always changing, there's one thing that will never change when it comes to food. And that's our common sense, right? So while we may see a lot of things in the media or we may see a new article you know, on the market, our common sense is what will guide us to navigate this crazy world. So when you think about mindful eating, this is really the first tip to being a mindful eater, using your common sense. So if you're, this is your intuition, you know, that feeling in the gut that tells you whether something's right or wrong. Now, if you're following a diet where you can eat as much bacon as you want, but you can eat a bowl of oatmeal, what does your common sense tell you? <laughs> or we're following a certain diet that we can't feed our five-year-old kid we can't follow when we're pregnant or nursing or a time where we should be our healthiest self, then we probably shouldn't follow otherwise. So we have to start 
going back and using our intuition. Now, does it really make sense to drop a whole stick of butter in our coffee for weight loss? Now, this is what people are doing. They want the quick fixes, right? They wanna to be told, hey, drop butter in your coffee and do nothing else and all your issues will go away. Now, this is, this is called bulletproof coffee. This is a new trend out there. And supposedly it's supposed to make you more metabolically active. Wow. That's not true. There's no nutritional benefit to dropping butter in your coffee, but as we get older, yeah, we want the quick fixes. We want, we want to hear these crazy things out there, but we know when we use our common sense, that doesn't make sense. And wouldn't you rather have butter on something that's actually worth it? Yeah, like our broccoli that we were talking about. <laughs> now, does it really make sense to count calories for weight loss? If we're trying to lose weight, should we be counting calories? Are calories created equal? No, they're not. So does 100 calories of broccoli do the same thing in the body as 100 calories of chocolate cake? This is where people get really crazy. And as a dietitian, I never tell people to count calories because it's all about ingredients. When we put the right ingredients in our body, it knows what to do. And when you think about counting calories, it's just another form of dieting. It's not going to be sustainable long term. So instead of counting calories, we need to start upgrading the quality of our calories. Because how many of us are overeating broccoli? None of us, right? None of us are overeating some of these things and then we don't have to worry about counting calories. Now, does it really make sense when we use our common sense to, to buy a, a product where we can't pronounce any of the ingredients? Or there's 92 ingredients in a certain food. So it doesn't mean we have to give things up. We just have to look for better alternatives and ingredients are number one indicator of quality. So we're always trying to out supplement a bad diet. We're always trying to take a powder or a pill when it's just another processed food. It's just a long list of ingredients that none of us can pronounce, right? So we have to kind of go back to food in its natural form. Less ingredients will always be best. If we can't read it, we shouldn't eat it. Now, hot dogs, many of us love hot dogs, but if you look at your typical hot dog in the grocery store, <clears throat> guess what you won't find in the ingredient list? No meat. So instead of giving up your hot dogs, you just find a better version and it comes down to ingredients. Now, I used to work as a retail dietitian at Meyer, and I learned that over 40% of the items in your typical grocery store, they're not food. Now, a lot of people say that grocery shopping is really confusing because they don't know how to shop healthy. Well, it all comes down to reading the ingredients. If you can look at the ingredients and you can actually recognize it as food, then you know it's food. So instead of giving up your hot dog, you just look for a better hot dog like grass-fed beef hot dogs. So instead of doing Miracle Whip or, or um, mayonnaise or processed mayonnaise, you could do avocado oil mayonnaise. Instead of you know a shelf-stable bread that can outlive every single one of us that has trans fats, we're looking for maybe a sprouted grain bread that's in the refrigerator section. So if you're buying peanut butter, how many, peanut, how many ingredients should be in your peanut butter? Yeah, one or two, right? Peanuts and sea salt, or maybe just peanuts, or you're buying almond butter. So ingredients will be number one indicator of quality. So whatever you currently have in your fridge, just slowly start to upgrade to better versions. I'm a new mom, I have a 10 month old at home, so he is getting organic Cheerios. 
because it's better ingredients than the regular Cheerios, right? And if you're doing Fruit Loops, you could do a better Fruit Loop that has no artificial colors and it's just made with real coloring colors like blueberries or beets or things like that. So we wanna make sure that we get the right things in the house. Now, does it really make sense, this whole plant-based burger thing out there, does it really make sense to eat a burger that has over 20 ingredients, all of which are made in a lab? These burgers, these plant-based burgers are made in a lab by scientists and most of the ingredients are genetically modified. None of these ingredients are real food. So while plant-based and these burgers may be lower in cholesterol or whatever it is, lower in calories, that tells us nothing about the quality. We have no idea what this is gonna do to us long-term. It may be saving the planet, but it's definitely killing our guts. And we know that our gut health is really the root cause of, of everything. So just using our common sense to navigate. Now this food target, I know you've seen this a million times. This is your mindful eating guide. So just take this with you everywhere. This is how you can kind of use your common sense. Now what all these foods in the center of this food target have in common is they're all close to the source. So when you think about being a mindful eater where you're eating in a way that actually makes you feel good, number one tip is common sense. Number two is the source. Now, nothing is off limits in this world as long as it's from the source. Eat whatever you want as long as it's in its most natural state. These are foods that are one ingredient foods. They're, they're foods that have been untouched. They're the most nutritious, least processed, most affordable, and they're always going to be the most flavorful. And that's why we don't have to worry about counting calories when we start to go closer to the source. The source is how we define whether food's healthy or not. So, when you think about an apple, we know that this is the first source, right? Because it falls from the tree, it's not processed at all, it's loaded in fiber and nutrients. What would the second source be? So as more processing is involved, yeah, exactly, applesauce. So we know that applesauce, it doesn't mean it's unhealthy, it's just not as nutritious as something in its natural form, right? Because there's more processing, you're removing some of the fiber, some of the nutrients are breaking down. And then what would the third source be? Yeah, apple juice. So we completely strip out the fiber, right? We're getting rid of a lot of the good nutrients. And guess what? We're definitely probably gonna overconsume apple juice. So when we think about calories, if you eat an apple, how many apples do you eat? One, you're not overdoing any of these things. So when it comes to the source, this is what you always ask yourself. If you're debating whether something's healthy or not, ask yourself, what's the source? What would the fourth source be? Cause this can go on and on and on. Apple fritters. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. A apple pie, hard apple cider, yeah, apple jacks. So this can go on and on. So sometimes we buy a food because it's sprinkled with a little flax seeds and we've heard that flax seeds are good. But why not just buy flax seeds, right? They're dirt cheap. These are foods in the closest to the source will always be the most affordable option and it's always the way to go. Now, I mentioned too, there's no coincidence that we have high rates of depression. We have a lot of mental health issues nowadays. And some of our diets on the market are low carb diets. The raw material that makes serotonin, serotonin is what makes us feel happy and satisfied. It helps with digestion. Serotonin also stimulates melatonin. That's our sleep hormone. The raw material that makes serotonin is carbohydrates. 
So when we start to give up our carbohydrates, that's where we're gonna have challenges, not only with sleep, but also with digestion, also with feeling satisfied, feeling happy. In order to feel happy, the body has to produce serotonin. 90% of that serotonin is actually made in the gut through the foods that we eat. All these foods found in the center, two green circles of this food target, will naturally boost serotonin in the gut. One of the biggest foods that boosts serotonin are potatoes. So how many of you wanna be happy? Eat potatoes, eat sweet potatoes, eat root vegetables, ancient grains. So a lot of these healthy carbohydrates that we're giving up, like our oats and our quinoa, those are actually loaded in calming magnesium. Many people who can't stay asleep at night usually assign they're deficient in magnesium. A lot of people who have anxiety and stress and just can't calm down typically are deficient in magnesium. It's one of those first minerals to deplete out of our system when we're stressed. So we get these from grains, we get them from potatoes, we get it from greens. So just think about the source concept. We know we can't go wrong when it's from the source. Not that you have to bite out of a raw potato, but you're just making it better, right? So I buy potatoes, I slice it up, little olive oil, put it on a baking sheet with salt and pepper, and I bake it at 450 for 20 minutes. It's like potato chips. Now, if you are buying potato chips, that's perfectly fine. You just wanna look at the ingredients. So potato chips should only have three ingredients. Potatoes, sea salt, and a good quality oil, like a avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil, or a coconut oil. Those are usually the good three oils that you wanna look for. Now, we can also think of the source concept in treating our specific issues. I know you guys have talked a lot about this before, but basically all of these issues up here, these are lifestyle issues. So when we start to make our, our lifestyle better, the less need we have for some of these things. So if we start to be more mindful and ask ourselves, okay, we're taking a sleep medication, but why do we have sleep issues in the first place, right? What's the source of our sleep issues? Are we stressed? Are we calming the mind? Are we deficient in magnesium? If we have a headache, what's the source of our headache? Are we dehydrated? Have we gotten outside? Have we ate the right foods? So we can always ask ourselves better questions. Now, when I was struggling with asthma back in high school, I wanted to fix the source of my issue. I didn't wanna just treat my symptoms with an inhaler. Now, when you think about asthma, asthma is inflammation of the airways. Why did I have inflammation in the airways? What was the source of my inflammation? I was living on burgers and milkshakes. I was working at Johnny Rockets. I was going out to fast food. We know that food and processed foods causes inflammation in the body, right? So I wanted to get rid of that inflammation. I wanted to go back to the source. I wanted to treat my issue really at the source versus treating the symptoms. So when you think about the source concept, even when it comes to food, we know that food is our most powerful medicine. And when we start to go back to the source, that's where everything makes sense. So if I were to ask you, is chocolate healthy or not? What would your answer be? Yes. <laughs> Good answer. But what, what, what more am I looking for? The source, right? Is it the raw, unprocessed form of dark chocolate, which is called cacao, and it's loaded in calming magnesium? Or is it a processed Hershey's candy bar, right? So when you're debating whether something's healthy or not, you have to ask yourself, where is it coming from? What's involved in the processing? Because everything can fit when it's close to the source. Now, just a little reminder, I know you guys have um, talked a lot about the superfoods. Basically, the body needs 
two nutrients from a, from a nutrition standpoint in order to heal your issues at the source. So disease kind of manifests in the body as a lot of different things. So some people struggle with cholesterol imbalance or hormones or acid reflux, but ultimately the body heals all the same with these two nutrients. So if you are struggling with specific things, this is how we fix our issues at the source. The body needs these two nutrients from a healing standpoint. Some form of omega-3s and some form of chlorophyll. Ultimately, we're not getting these nutrients in our, in our food system anymore. We're just not. We're eating away from the source. We need to make sure that we're getting these nutrients in. Now, omega-3s, the most powerful form of omega-3s is a good quality cod liver oil. We, do, we like cod liver oil because it's naturally high in vitamin D. Now, we also need vitamin D to absorb calcium. We don't recommend any supplements or multivitamins because you can't absorb nutrients in their isolated form. And that's why we recommend some of these foods because not only are you getting your omega-3s that, that are great for brain health, heart health, lowering inflammation, balancing hormones, Keep in mind, you can't lose weight if your hormones aren't balanced. We're getting all the omega-3s, but we're also getting vitamin D. So that's why cod liver oil is so powerful. Now, you also need some form of chlorophyll. Chlorophyll comes from anything green in color. So the two highest sources of chlorophyll are spirulina corella and wheatgrass. Now, wheatgrass is loaded in minerals. So wheatgrass is especially great for lowering inflammation. Maybe you have issues with sleep. Maybe you're deficient in magnesium. Um, maybe you're experiencing acid reflux or gout or any of these issues. Wheatgrass is very cleansing and detoxifying. Now, I find that the spirulina corella is a really easy way to get in chlorophyll. Ideally, you want both sources because they do different things. This is high in minerals and this is actually great for boosting the immune system. So if you get sick a lot, if you feel like you have digestion issues, if you feel like you need a little boost of energy, this is great and it comes in just pill form. So usually when I'm starting people on these two nutrients, they start on the cod liver oil, and they start on this and then they slowly incorporate the wheatgrass. So you guys, it's your lucky day. I got these all ready for you. So just a little reminder, I know you guys have heard a lot about this before, but basically we need these two nutrients to heal the body. And if you're taking these two nutrients, there's no reason to have to supplement with anything else. So in fact, this was kind of like when I was pregnant, this was my, my prenatal little cocktail. I didn't, I didn't take prenatal vitamins because you can't always absorb vitamins. We know that. So just making sure that you're covering all your bases from a nutrition standpoint. Okay. Yep. So pass them around, take a little shot. Those are just, if you haven't taken this before, it's just your single little serving and you can swallow <laughs> with water. Okay, on to cooking. Now, cooking may be the most powerful form of mindful eating. And we know that getting healthier truly starts with cooking more meals at home. It doesn't have to take you a lot of time. You don't have to use a lot of ingredients. It can be really simple. But we know that what cooking does is it stimulates all five of our senses. And we're finding that the more we stimulate our senses, the more likely we are feel, to feel complete and satisfied. And that's why mindfulness is so powerful. It's because we're just kind of slowing down to be in tune with ourselves. Now, I find that when you're cooking, you have all these senses that go with it. The sense of smell from cooking, the noise from the chopping. We know that our sense of smell is our most powerful scent and it's triggered to our emotions and our memories. Now, we also know that when rates of home cooking go down, 
obesity goes up. So the less time we spend cooking, the more time we spend eating. We know that if, if we are, you know, ordering something to the house, we eat it really fast, right? Because we're starving. We order it to the house. We take out a whole essential piece to the whole cooking process. We're not stimulating our senses. And then after we eat that, we usually want dessert or we want more, right? So we're taking out a key element just from the preparation process. So my advice today, and we're gonna get more into the cooking, is eat whatever you want as long as it's homemade. If you love pizza, find a better pizza or find ways to make it homemade. This is a cauliflower crust pizza in our cookbook. So simple things that you can do. If you love you know, ice cream, you can make banana ice cream. Has anyone ever made banana ice cream? It's Unreal. So you take frozen bananas, you throw them in a food processor, and as the blade kind of uh, blends together, it melts the banana and it creates a frozen yogurt consistency. I put in almond butter, I top it with cacao nibs. If you love ramen noodles, we have a gourmet ramen noodle and it's basically, the base is a coconut milk broth. And we're using organic soba noodles, fresh ginger. So different things you can do. If you like burgers, make your own burger. We use grass-fed beef. Sometimes I'll do even ground lamb, I'll do venison, um, just depending uh, whatever is at the store. Bison is really good and then make your own sweet potatoes. So we have a lot of these recipes in the cookbook because we wanted to show people that it doesn't have to take you a lot of time and you don't have to give up the things that you love, you're just making it better. Now, it's really the story of food that's so powerful. We don't remember the things that we buy, but we remember the meals that we eat, right? And who we eat them with. And we know that food really is that ingredient that binds us all together because it's connection, it's power, it's, it's love. So just thinking about food a little bit differently. 